That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. A number of people have contacted me to ask who are the Democratic Party holdouts who have not yet endorsed an impeachment inquiry. Now, we're not even talking about will you impeach? Would you vote to impeach? This is simply will you vote to investigate the president and determine whether he has committed a crime, a high crime or misdemeanor that may be worthy of impeachment? If one of these people represents you in the U.S. House of Representatives, these are all members of Congress, members of the House, you may want to call them. The telephone number is 202-225-3121. The first is Colin Peterson. He's from Michigan. Lucy McBath of Georgia, Anthony Brindisi, and Max Rose of New York State, Joe Cunningham of South Carolina, Jared Golden of Maine, Kendra Horn of Oklahoma, Ron Kind of Wisconsin, Beth McAdams of Utah. I'm not sure how to pronounce this as X-O-C-H-I-T-L. Wattle? Wachitil? Uh, Torres Small of New Mexico, and Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey. And uh, these are, quote, moderate Democrats, but whatever, for whatever reason, just an FYI on that. The, when you line this all up, it's just breathtaking. Trump hears on Fox News on July 24th that he's going to lose to Biden by 10 points. On July 25th, in an otherwise routine phone call, he's leaning on the president of Ukraine to find some trash on Biden. Then the next day, people in the White House who had made a transcript of the call, it's starting to circulate through the senior White House folks, you know, the staff, and they're going, Holy crap, look at this. This is, I mean, this is unbelievable. This, you know, the, the president just committed treason right here on the phone. What do we do about this? Well, according to the whistleblower, they were very clear about what to do with it. White House officials told me they were directed by White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system on which such, such transcripts are typically stored. Instead, the transcript was loaded into a separate electronic system that is otherwise used to store and handle classified information of an especially sensitive nature. In other words, put it on a top secret server where nobody can see it. One White House official, this is from the whistleblower, one White House official described this act as an abuse of this electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive 
from a national security perspective. It gets even weirder. You get the U.S. Special Representative for Ukraine. Uh, this is Kurt Volker. He gets dragged into this thing. Giuliani is going to, to Madrid to meet with Mr. Yermak, one of uh, Zelensky's advisors, to say, hey, you know, we need that Biden stuff. There's an election coming. We need the dirt. The whistleblower says, and I quote, Ambassadors Volker and Sondland reportedly provided advice to the Ukrainian leadership about how to, quote, navigate, end quote, the demands that the president had made of Mr. Zelensky. And then on August 2nd, now this is the following week, Giuliani goes to Madrid to meet with uh, Zelensky's advisors. This was characterized, but not publicly disclosed at the time, as, quote, a direct follow-up, end quote, to the president's call with Ms. Mr. Zelensky about the, quote, cases they had discussed. In other words, Biden. And, and Trump, just like 15 minutes ago, goes on TV. He's getting on an airplane someplace, so he'll talk to reporters, and says, it's all about Joe Biden. I don't know why they're talking about me. This is, they gotta be looking at Joe Biden. His son Hunter took millions of dollars from Ukraine, took millions of dollars from China. Well, yeah, and that's probably embarrassing to Joe Biden, but it's not a crime. You wanna talk crime, let's talk about some of the stuff that Ivanka and Jared and Don Jr. have done. This is getting weird. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. But this is absolutely the smoking gun. The Democrats don't need to go any farther. They should be impeaching Donald Trump right now just for this, if nothing else. I mean, there's a whole long list, but this is enough. You're listening to Tom Hartman. But the conversation itself, I mean, this has to be incredibly embarrassing to the president of Ukraine because he's just nakedly sucking up to Donald Trump. He's, he's like, oh, you're so brilliant. And, you know, I'm trying to drain the swamp here, too. And I stayed at Trump Tower when I came to New York. And I mean, he's just like he's layering it on. Right. Cream cheese on toast. It's, it's, it's like, you know, he's just layering it. On. And he's got to be horribly embarrassed that that's now public. He looks like a Trump toady. This is not good for the United States. While Joseph McGuire was testifying before Congress, while the director of national intelligence was testifying before Congress about how when he was told, when he was given documentation suggesting that the president, his lawyer, and his attorney general were involved in treason, my word, not his, but essentially, I don't know how else, what else you can call this, that he took that information to the law says you have to bring it to Congress. Instead, he took it to the president, the president's lawyers, and Bill Barr, the attorney general. While he's testifying in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump's in New York. He's, he hasn't, in fact, he's on his way back to D.C. right now. He's in New York, and he was meeting with the staff of the U.S. Mission of the United Nations. Now, these are people who are not political. The only political person in the room, apparently, was the, uh, our ambassador to the United Nations, Kelly Knight Kraft, who is a big time Republican fundraiser and donor. And this is like 50 people who work for you and me at the United Nations, the permanent staff, and our ambassador to the UN. And this was 
an event. I mean, this is right after the General Assembly and Trump is about to head back to the United States. And so he comes to this event where he's supposed to be honoring the staff. He's supposed to be telling these 50 people, you guys are doing a great job. And it's so important that we have a mission to the United Nations and the United Nations could be a great force for peace in the world. And, you know, the, you know, you know yada, 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 you know, you know the shtick, what it should be. And instead, what happens? The event was closed to reporters. Donald Trump calls the news media, quote, scum, as well as, quote, crooked. And then one of the questions that was asked several times by both Republicans and Democrats of Mr. McGuire, of the director of national intelligence this morning, this meeting, this uh, meeting, you know, this hearing for the House Intelligence Committee was, could the president tweeting that this whistleblower was a partisan actor you know, Trump basically tweeted that this, this person was a Democrat and was trying to get him because he was a Republican or whatever. And also that he wasn't operating in the national interest. Could that have a chilling effect on other people who may want to blow the whistle on wrongdoing that may or may not have anything to do with Donald Trump? And, you know, the DNI said, yeah, you bet. So, you know, the worst thing the president can do is say that a whistleblower should be punished. Maybe they should lose their job. Maybe they should be fined. Well, no, Donald Trump this morning went a little farther than that at the United Nations. He said this whistleblower should be executed. He didn't say it directly. I'll read this and you can tell me what you think he said. He said, I want to know who is the person who gave the whistleblower the information because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart with spies and treason, right? We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. Now, keep in mind, Trump's lawyer and mentor was Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn, after he left the Army McCarthy here, actually before the Army McCarthy here, the way that Roy Cohn made his reputation... He was fresh out of law school. He became a lawyer at the age of 20. He was admitted to the New York Bar at the age of 21. He became a prosecutor for the federal government at the age of 22. And at the age of 23, he prosecuted Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. This was how Roy and Roy Cohn personally, even though there wasn't enough evidence that Ethel Rosenberg even knew that her husband was giving nuclear secrets to the Soviets. In fact, there was virtually no evidence, and, and you know, in the subsequent weeks, it came out that the people who testified against her husband, against Julius Rosenberg, uh, were now saying that they had perjured themselves. But nonetheless, Roy Cohn sought the death penalty, not just for Julius, but also for his wife, Ethel. And, I mean, this, this was in the, in the late 40s, early 50s, and it's what made Roy Cohn's career. And then he went on to become a mob lawyer, and then he went on to become Trump's lawyer. And I mean literally a mob lawyer. He was the lawyer for the top two guys in the New York Mafia, one who was assassinated, shot in the head. It's the Gambino crime family and the Gigante, I think it is, crime family. So here's Donald Trump, the president of the United States, saying this whistleblower should be treated the way we used to treat spies. Donald Trump, who spent half his life following Roy Cohn around, partying with him, drinking with him, 
By the way, the, I, I, Louise and I watched this movie, uh, Where's My Roy Cohn, yesterday, uh, you know, an, an early preview, because we're going to get the producers on and find out about how they made the movie. I mean, it's just an amazing movie. That's a conversation for another time, I suppose. But the other, the other person who was the protege of Roy Cohn, who, who wanted to be Junior Roy Cohn, who has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. Who, you know, Roy Cohn worked with Richard Nixon. Roy Cohn claimed that he was the one who got Ronald Reagan elected in 1980 because it was New York State's electoral vote that pushed Reagan over the top. But Reagan only won 45 percent of the vote in New York State. How did that happen? Roy Cohn engineered it that John Anderson, who had you know run again in the primary against Reagan, that John Anderson would appear on the Liberal Party ticket in New York as a third-party candidate. And it sucked so many votes away from the Democrat, Jimmy Carter, in New York, that New York flipped to Reagan, and that gave him the margin that he needed to become president. I didn't know that until I watched this movie yesterday. It's, it's amazing stuff. Anyhow, Sarah in Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Sarah, what's on your mind? Um, well, you were just bringing it up, actually. Um, uh, Roger Stone. Uh, I just wonder. Nobody's talking about him, and yeah. And uh, is he advising Trump on the back end of this deal? And here's what's weird: Roger Stone's defense in court, the defense that he's making right now, because you know he got nailed by Mueller, is that mm -hmm. well, first of all, the DNC was attacked by Russian hackers. They hired this company, CrowdStrike, to find out what went on. A CrowdStrike said it's Russians. So immediately the DNC turned the investigation over to the FBI and a bunch of federal agents came in and they said, yep, it's Russians. And that appears in the Mueller report and everything. The weird conspiracy theory that Sean Hannity and Roger Stone have hatched is that, no, it wasn't the Russians. It was actually some Ukrainians who were working for the DNC. The DNC hacked itself to make itself look bad so that they could blame it on the Russians to get Russia in trouble so they could put sanctions on Russia. And the crowd strike was in on it. Hannity aired this in Fox in April. He laid out this whole weird conspiracy theory, and Roger Stone is making it the basis of his, of his argument. So, yeah, and, and in fact, in the whistleblower report, and uh, well, in the transcript of Trump's phone call, he says to Zelensky, we need to find out what's going on with CrowdStrike, right? Or you need to find out. In other words, prove, you know, find proof that this American company, this is an American cybersecurity company, was actually working out of Ukraine. And it was a Ukrainian hack, not a Russian hack. Cyrillic looks like Cyrillic, and a lot of Ukrainians speak Russian. And, I mean, that's, so, yeah, Roger Stone looks like he's up to his eyeballs in this thing. He's not named in any of these things, but, boy, the old band is getting back together, Sarah. Courtney in Rock Island, Illinois, it says you disagree with me. About what? Oh, I don't disagree with you at all. Because McGuire has made it so clear that he completely supports the whistleblower, Everybody that is an employee of his. Right. And I clearly stated as a whistleblower, follow the law. Do you believe that he contradicted himself, or is it, is it any way persuaded by the Trump administration to hide any information that could disrupt the impeachment of Donald Trump? Right. The problem that McGuire had, and I was feeling very sympathetic toward him. Well, he seems like a very honest yeah. person. I, well, I, you know, and it's just way in over his depth. In fact, he said, you know, I'm not the most well-qualified guy for this job. I'm just the one the president asked. So I said, yes, sir, I'll do my duty. But the, the, the horrible dilemma that he faced was he didn't know what to do. I mean, here's this guy. He's been on the job about a week and a half, right? He retires from the military and boom, here he is. He gets this job, which he didn't ask for. 
and he's been on the job a week and a half, and this bombshell lands on his desk that's like bigger than anything that has ever happened in the history of the United States. No president has ever been accused of committing treason with a foreign government. There was gossip back in the days of John Adams' presidency, and, and when John Adams was running for president in 1796, that because he had defended that British soldier who had you know, killed the Boston Massacre guy, shot Atticus Crispus, in fact, or Crispus Atticus, um, because he defended him, he had mixed loyalties to the Brits. And, because, and then they were attacking Jefferson because he lived in France as the U.S. envoy to France. He had mixed, and he was good friends with a bunch of French leaders, Lafayette being the most famous, that you know, they had mixed loyalties. Right? That's as close as we've ever gotten. So here's this guy, and this bombshell drops on his desk in his first week on the job that he's never done before, and, he's, and, he's, and he was a Navy SEAL. He wasn't an intelligence guy. And he's like, what do I do with this? I better talk to a lawyer. Well, who, what lawyers are in his chain of command? This is a guy who understands com chain of command, period. I mean, he's military, 37 years. So he says, I guess I better go above me. Well, who's above him? The president. So I guess I'll go to the president's lawyer. And, and who else is the big lawyer who's the arbiter of what's legal and what's not? Well, that's the Justice Department. I'll go to the Justice Department. Although at the same time, the complaint was against the president, the president's lawyer, and the Justice Department. But, you know, I, he was like, he was caught between a rock and a hard place. He knew that if he went right to Congress, like the law said, that Trump would be all over him. Trump would be, you know, calling him a traitor. And who wants that, right? Who wants the death threats that come along with that? with right-wingers getting all worked up and everything else. And so he was just trying to play it safe. And here he is, you know, in the crossfire. Does that make sense, Courtney? Yes, I believe he was trying to be an honest person. Do you think he was trying to play it safe? Yeah, I do. Problem was that he went to Bill Barr for advice, and Bill Barr said, cover it up. Because that's what Bill Barr does. That's what Bill Barr did in 1992 right. with, with the Iran-Contra investigation. It's what he did with the Mueller report. He covered it up for over a month and lied about it. And now, you know, this, which raises questions about how complete the transcript is that we got yesterday and where those magic ellipses are. You know, until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me that there was one that was worth sharing, and well, a year later, I have to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy, and she's kept it off. And now my producer, Sean, is trying Rigizone, too. Sean says Rigizone is the easiest diet supplement she's ever used. One capsule with breakfast, and forget it. No jitters, no hunger stranglehold, no cravings. And best of all, after a short time on Rigizone, Sean says her favorite genes are a lot more comfortable again. The only ingredient in Rigizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. That appealed to both Louise and Sean, and I'm guessing it will to you, too. With Rigizone, Sean says she feels great and doesn't miss her sugar cravings. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Rigizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Rigizone.com. It's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Rigizone.com. Promo code TOM. Rigizone.com. Congressman Ro Khanna is with us. He is the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents California's 17th District, Silicon Valley, in the U.S. House of Representatives. And his uh, website is Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A, dot house dot gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. Congressman Khanna, welcome back to the program. Tom, uh, well, it's always good to be on. This has been 
quite the week. The momentum has now shifted to the vast majority of the House caucus uh, supporting the impeachment inquiry and wanting articles to be submitted to the House for a vote before Thanksgiving. I mean, I think I was talking to uh, some of the uh, leading chairs, and they think we have what we need. We should get the articles and have a House vote. Yeah. The White House acknowledged that, yes, he has moved these politically sensitive documents to a secure server. Um, shades of, you know, lock her up. Uh, I mean, this is just, it's just amazing. Anyhow, let's, let's, you're with us for the hour to take phone calls from our listeners, so let's pick up some phone calls here. Karen in St. Cloud, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. I'm glad I'm talking to a progressive because now that the proverbial stuff is hitting the wall, the Republicans are going to be scrambling for ways to attack the progressives by using socialism and abortion. And I think we need to turn that around on them, like saying, well, Jesus was a socialist. Are you anti-Jesus? And abortion, are we going to start requiring that Israel stop providing abortions for its people before they get help from us? You know, are you going to do that, Republicans, like you've been doing? Karen, I appreciate your raising that, and you're right. The Trump White House is going to start attacking progressives. In fact, I had a video featured in the Trump war room pulling quotes of mine out of context, implying that I had mischaracterized the evidence. So they're going to start attacking progressives for sure. But I think the way we respond is with the facts that the president has admitted uh, that he basically sought the, sought the help of a foreign leader to get dirt on his political rival. And then we uh, respond with our agenda, which is uh, helping increase wages for middle-class families and working-class families, uh, lowering the cost of prescription drugs, providing Medicare for all, free public college. It's important that we uh, be clear on how we're working to improve people's lives. Len in Woodmere, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Quick scary thing, there was a Trump ad on YouTube before they put through your show. I want to know before this guy is thrown out completely, and you're on the budget, armed services, and oversight, which uh, all are related to, I want to know how and why suddenly the United States is paying the Trump Hotel in Scotland. Well, and it's uh, wrong. I mean, it's a violation of the uh, emoluments clause that administration has been directing or approving people to stay in the president's uh, uh, hotels. Uh, the challenge is that there are so many things that this president has done wrong, uh, but I think what we have to do is focus on the current uh, offense, which, is, which has cut across uh, uh, party affiliation in certain cases and ideology. Uh, every person I've talked to can't believe that he was on a phone call with a foreign leader uh, asking for information about Joe Biden. So that'll be the focus, but we will also address uh, in, the, uh, in the hearings these issues about the emoluments clause and uh, the president president uh, directing people to stay at his own hotels. Andy in Fort Davis, Texas. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Hi, Tom. Hi, Con uh, Congressman Khanna. Um, I had a question. First, uh, Congressman Khanna, have, have you read the whistleblower report yet? I have. Um, the, the question I had was, is really kind of a Ukrainian history question. Um, I understand that Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State after Viktor Yanukovych uh, left the country with most of the money, and that uh, uh, Hillary helped in the State Department, helped set up kind of a uh, 
a committee or an organization to look at corruption in the country. And mostly what they appeared to be doing was trying to chase down and identify uh, where the money had gone to so they could actually run the country. And then uh, it seems that all of this seems to be very much related. In other words, uh, Paul Manafort uh, was working for Viktor Yanukovych, and then somebody inside the Ukraine released what they called the Black Ledger, which listed out all of the monies that uh, Yanukovych had paid to people. Uh, including is, Manafort. Is the house in, pardon? Including Manafort. In, in, including Manafort. And then, of course, all of this... Uh, so what's the question, Andy? Issue, Let's get right to uh, this. What my question is, is, is the House looking at... Is this impeachment looking at this relationship between Paul Manafort and how it tracks all the way back to uh, Manafort supposedly working with Yanukovych? Okay, Congressman. We'll investigate fully what took place and Manafort's relationship with Yanukovych or why that trilateral deal that Yanukovych wanted with Russia and Europe fell apart. I mean, there's a lot to be investigated, but that will be separate from the issue of impeachment, where you have the president admitting on uh, to the entire country that he has a phone call with the foreign leader and is pressuring him for dirt on his political rival. That in itself is an abuse of office, uh, and that's going to be the the central focus of the inquiry, but other committees will also be looking more deeply into what happened in Ukraine. I'm curious, Congressman, your thoughts on Oregon Congressman Peter DeFazio using the word treason on the floor of the House yesterday to describe Trump's actions. I would say it's an abuse of his constitutional office, and and that's what Nixon was impeached for. One of the articles of impeachment was abuse of office. To prove a crime, other things, you have to get the prosecutors. It'll be a drawn-out process. What I would focus on is he took a oath of office to protect the United States Constitution and our national security. He violated that by his own admission by seeking uh, a foreign leader to get dirt on his uh, political rival. Uh, that's why he has abused his, the office and uh, why we need to draw up articles. Yeah, I'm with you. Gail in, uh, whoop, click the button here. Gail in Antelope, California. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Hi, Congressman. Thank you for all the work you do, incidentally. I have a question for you. Last night I watched on the national news, they showed a list of all of the different people that are involved in this treasonous conspiracy. And I saw that Mike Pence's name was up here. So nobody has really said anything about his role in this. And I'm kind of curious as to how he's involved. And the question is, if they impeach Trump, would they automatically impeach him, too, for being part of this? which would make Nancy Pelosi president. Yes, but he oh, did. Gracious. On September 2nd, he did hold a press conference in Poland and say that he had talked with people in Ukraine about finding corruption in Ukraine, which we now know is code for Joe Biden crimes. Grace, you raise a, a very good question. We do need to know what Mike Pence's role has been in pressuring uh, any Ukrainian officials uh, for a corruption probe on Hunter Biden or Biden. Uh, but I, I, I think let's uh, move sequentially. Let's first uh, direct our attention uh, on the president, uh, make sure that we uh, are comprehensive and expeditious on that. Uh, but certainly uh, there needs to be questions asked about the vice president and his role. Jeanette in Spirit Lake, Idaho. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Uh, thank you so much, and thank you, Congressman. I, being in a, a, a red state here, I 
you know, we need to win all 50 states, and we need to win the narrative in the media. And um, don't you think that it would be really beneficial if the progressives consistently always equate, you know, democratic socialism with FDR, you know, FDR, democratic socialism. And then also the other the other big narrative, that, you know, media talking point that, that we just are losing is the gun issue. You know, I, Democrats... Don't you think it would be beneficial for Democrats just to come out and say, we do not want to take away your guns? Um, you know, uh, you know. obviously, uh, the AR... So now, what state are you in? I'm in North Idaho. Yeah. Well, you raise some very good points. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, most Democrats start out uh, as did President Obama by saying we believe in the Second Amendment. We aren't going to be taking away your guns. What we're talking about is uh, getting rid of uh, weapons of war and the assault weapons ban, uh, not having people have magazine uh, clips that allow them to shoot multiple uh, fast uh, rounds, uh, making sure that you have background checks, just like you would have background checks for anything else. But uh, Obviously, uh, I don't think there is anyone, any Democrat in the House or in the presidential field uh, who wouldn't uh, say that uh, the Democratic Party isn't going to uh, take away guns based on confiscation. I mean, that is not uh, what the party believes in. Uh, And secondly, you're absolutely right that a lot of the economic policies that uh, uh, Senator Sanders has been talking about are based on FDR's economic bill of rights. FDR talked about every person having a right to a job, uh, having a right to health care, having a right to education, having a right to a good wage. FDR understood that to be truly free as an American, you had to have some basic economic security, and we ought to be appealing to that message. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So how did your face look this morning when you looked in the mirror? Wrinkles around the eyes, crow's feet, large under-eye bags? You know, you can make them vanish instantly, and I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. I look just like me, but younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself at work or out with friends. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it. Unless, of course, you tell them. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M, for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code TOM. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TriPlexiderm.com today and use the code TOM at checkout. That's TriPlexiderm.com. Dennis in Aptos, California. You're on the air with Congressman Kana. Yeah, hi. Um, in in regards to Trump, I don't know if Pompeo or Barr or Pence would be targeted as well for impeachment, but I'm going to ask this question. Suppose we're on the brink of impeaching Trump two months from now, let's just say, and on the day before the vote, he decides to resign his office, and if Pence isn't targeted, Pence just goes ahead goes ahead and pardons him. And if he's pardoned, then he can't even be indicted when he is out of office. What do you think of that possibility? That's the Nixon scenario. It's something, Dennis, that we have to be concerned about. But our our immediate uh, 
goal needs to be to hold this president accountable, do our constitutional duty, uh, and maybe the Congress needs to amend uh, or have clear statutes uh, that, that address this. But the scenario you uh, outline is uh, very possible. George in Portland, Oregon. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Good morning, guys. I know that you, it sounds like you've got a slam dunk and you are sort of picking the battle, but will you be able to see his tax returns and an unredacted Mueller report during the inquiry? We, we are going to continue to push for that. We're going to continue to push for the Mueller report. We're going to be, continue to push for the tax returns. But we're not going to wait on that to act. Uh, if we continue to wait and uh, take this to the courts and have stonewalling and months and months go by, uh, then you're soon going to get to the Iowa election, uh, Iowa uh, caucus, and it's going to become too late. So uh, we need to act decisively, uh, but also continue the investigation. Joe in Cupertino, California, you're on the air with your congressman. Congressman Connor, Tom, thank you again for taking my call. Congressman, I look so forward to seeing you at Rignard this Thursday. I'd love to shake your hand. My question is the Third Amendment, the second paragraph, talks about the Congress shall have the power to declare punishment of treason, but no attainer of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. I'm not sure if I understand the meaning of that. I looked it up, and I, I mean, does this mean that I, he who receives gains in office can't pass that to his family? Or is there another so the corruption of blood phrase, as you're trying to figure out? Right. Yeah. It says the, well, the, the biggest part is the life of the person attained. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that signifies. Could you answer that? Or I'm sorry if it's too much... I'm just Joe, I, I, uh, I, I don't know if Tom, Tom is a, a constitutional scholar in his own right. I, I would have to ask staff about uh, what the interpretation is, because I don't want to give you an answer on the Third Amendment uh, that I, that I, that's not accurate. I'm happy to get, get back to you. Tom, do you know? I what? don't. I, I honestly don't. Yeah. It's, it's not something I've ever looked into, although, uh, you know, it seems it seems like a timely question right now. It's, it's it, it is. I mean, we're we're gonna uh, Joe. Uh, you know, you'll see me back in the district. Uh, I'm gonna ask staff to look at it and let's see if we can get you an answer. Yeah, um, it, it, we just have ten seconds to the break. The, generally, the definition of treason is thought to be, um, you know, aid and comfort to an enemy during time of war. Is it not? I, is it that specific, or is it just uh, aiding uh, an enemy even to, to undermine the United States? I think well, I, I do think it's important to understand the exact definition. Yeah, that, and that's what I don't know either. I, I, and this is—I guess we're all going to be looking into this. It's a fascinating question. Noah in Ontario, California. Hey, Noah, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. How's it going, Tom? How's it going, Congressman Connor? Good. I, I was wondering, uh, is there a theme? that uh, you guys are doing like a branding type of a setup, like Superman has kryptonite, and I was wondering if Trump can have like plutonium and ukranium as his weakness. <laughs> okay. Theme the impeachment? Congressman? Is the uh, I'm sorry I missed that. Uh, no, the what, what, what I think he was he, he was I think he was, it was more a joke than anything else. But he was saying let's yeah. let's brand the impeachment. Let's uh, but you know I I say uh, you know, the, uh, with the kryptonite. Yeah. Well, no, I I, I think we, what we're trying to do is have a very simple message on impeachment, mm -hmm. which is president admitted uh, dirt from foreign leader. Uh, try to use a few words, but uh, I'm open to suggestions. Yeah. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Dave, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. 
Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I was listening to the interview with the author on the Mike Pence thing earlier, and it got me to thinking. Uh, it was hard to tell from the context of the interview, but uh, do you think that his his religion or his Christianity is an inherently negative quality that he has? And then my next question would be, do you think that that's a negative quality, uh, a candidate's religion overall? Uh, would you say that that's a negative quality for them? Dave, I, I don't. I, I, I think that we have to respect people of faith. Uh, we need to respect uh, people of faith uh, participating in politics and, and, and their views. Uh, and the important thing, though, is that uh, uh, people's faith, in my view, uh, should also be in our constitutional democracy and, and liberal democracy. And that's what uh, Abraham Lincoln called a political religion. But I, I don't uh, question people's faith uh, in politics. Rob in Mesa, Arizona. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Uh, yes, thanks. Hey, I've got a comment and then my question. Uh, the comment is, uh, when you guys uh, roll out all these facts, please include the timelines wherever possible, because that's where Fox News and conspiracy theorists uh, take advantage. Uh, they leave out the timelines. And then uh, the Biden son is a perfect example of, like, when you leave the timeline out, it looks pretty incriminating. Um, uh, so that being said, just make sure that the timeline goes along with the, the facts and the data points that are, are going to be presented during this process. Um, my question is this, uh, not when you start putting people under oath and question them like uh, William Barr, are you going to use a sergeant of arms to arrest these people when they don't answer questions? Dave, I uh, agree with you that uh, we need to put the facts out. We need to put them out simply uh, and that we need to put a timeline out. That's a great suggestion. In terms of the sergeant of arms, uh, the speaker does have that power. If someone is defying a subpoena uh, to threaten to bring that person in for a sergeant of arms, uh, I don't think that that's uh, – uh, going to in practice be used. I think it's far more likely that we would just impeach the person uh, or hold them in contempt. Uh, and that's already been done in the oversight committee with Bill Barr. I noticed that the uh, seven national security Democrats, these freshmen who were all military or ex-CIA, FBI, whatever, specifically mentioned inherent contempt in their op-ed in the New York Times. Apparently there's inherent contempt, criminal contempt, and civil contempt. Criminal contempt has to run through Bill Barr. Civil contempt can take years in the courts. And so they're arguing for inherent contempt. Your thoughts? Tom, well, they've been a game changer. I mean, when the seven national security Democrats came out for the impeachment inquiry and when they spoke in caucus and said they represent Trump plus seven districts, but they're going to stand up for principle, that was a game changer. And inherent contempt just means that the president's violating his constitutional oath of office. Tom Hartman Cruise will be sailing in July of 2020. The seven-day Oceana Cruise will be going to Bermuda, and I'll be hosting onboard events about the topics of the day. More info at TomHartman.com or 800-856-1155. Kelly in Berkeley, California, you are on the air with Congressman Connor. My question is, what do you think is better for our country? Pass the laws that the House has already sent to the Senate. Would that be better for the country? Or would it be better for the country if we just impeach the president? What I'm saying is, why don't we do an art of the deal? We'll hold the impeachment over his head. If he'll pass, if he'll bring up these bills and pass them, we won't impeach him. Why don't we uh, get tough with him? Why can't we play the same game? 
Well, Glenn, I uh, don't think that will work. I mean, some of the people in the president's team almost welcome impeachment as a badge of honor. But obviously, I think the House Democrats have to do both. We need to hold this president accountable. We can't compromise on our constitutional responsibility and say, okay, the president has done uh, all these things to shred our Constitution, but we're going to give him a pass because we need to pass certain legislation. At the same time, we need to continue to uh, push for what uh, the House has already done, which is uh, pass legislation to get back into the Paris Accords on campaign finance, on uh, equality for LGBTQ uh, uh, individuals. I mean, we've passed a lot of legislation uh, that is stuck, and we need to keep pushing for it. Bo in West Milford, New Jersey, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Simple question. I want to know, as a far-left person who generally doesn't trust Democrats, why now is the Democratic Party saying whistleblower good, but back in 2013 with Obama in the White House, it was whistleblower bad with Edward Snowden? And, and Kiriakou, too. There have been a number of Democrats, progressive Democrats, who have supported whistleblowers. I do think that there's a difference, though, between whistleblowers who comply completely with the process, and I don't want to get into the, any particular case. But in this case, just to be clear, you have not just a whistleblower, but a whistleblower who has taken great pains to do everything by the book, who has not leaked any classified information, who has not violated the process, who has been completely law-abiding, and I think that adds to his credibility. Or her credibility. I guess the New York Times is saying it's definitely a his. But uh, anyhow, Kent in Amstead, North Carolina, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Oh, this is a uh, privilege and an honor. My question is this: Since Trump didn't divest his business holdings from his office, and he's had so many accusations with the emoluments clause, and there doesn't seem to be any progress towards making those things stick, I'm just curious. When he has the Air Force planes landing at his resort and all, and staying over and paying four times for diesel fuel, you know, uh, ab gas, why isn't his part of his after office problem going to be the RICO Act? If he's still part of that organization and making money and company, corporation has profited from his name, why isn't that subject to corrupt practices and racketeering influence? Can this president may be subject to significant amount of exposure after his presidency. One of the reasons we need to win is 2020, because I, I, I think that uh, his hope is that he wins one more term and then the statute of limitations on some of these things uh, runs out. Uh, but uh, you're, you're right that there are a lot of laws that the president may have violated, and he can't be indicted, according to the Office of Legal Counsel, while he's president, but certainly he has exposure after he's president. Stan in Champaign, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Conner. I hope that what you're saying, or what I've heard you say, is that we're not just going to do a single-issue impeachment. We need to have 10 or 12 articles of impeachment against this guy. We know there's at least 10. And all of them have to be on the same docket. We only have to get a uh, two-thirds majority on one of those out of ten in order to throw him out the door like he should be. But I think that just doing the one, if he wins and is able to hold his seat with the Republicans' help in the Senate, 
uh, he's guaranteed to win in 2000, in 2020. Well, Ted, I agree with you that the Judiciary Committee needs to consider all of the misconduct, and that's what they intend to do. Now, you may have a case where they refer a number of articles to the House, and you have some House Democrats vote for one or two of those articles and not for all of them. My understanding is in the Nixon impeachment, not every member voted for every article, but we should have the comprehensive articles to the House uh, and then have a vote up or down on each of those articles. Columbus, Ohio. Andrew, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. When are we going to start uh, talking about uh, doing something about voodoo, ragoon, trickle-down economics? Until we stop this trickle-down, now we have given $3 trillion now to the top 0.1 so percent, and we're looking for this trickle-down thing to happen. And so, but it's not happening, and it hasn't happened since uh, Reagan. Ragoon started this thing, and this needs to end. People over money or money over people. To me, Biden is money over people. Sanders is people over money. Well, man, I'm uh, the co-chair, a uh, national co-chair of Bernie Sanders' campaign, so we talk all the time about ending trickle-down economics. Uh, let me tell you two things that we talk off about all the time. Two-thirds of Americans, 70 million American families, make under $75,000 a year as a household. They haven't had a raise, a meaningful raise, for the last 40 years. We need policies that are actually going to put more money in the pockets of those 70 million American families. And second, uh, if you really wanted economic growth in this country, you would have invested in infrastructure that would have created high-paying jobs in the trades and for many Americans in different fields. Uh, there are estimates that a real infrastructure bill could get 5% economic growth. Instead, we're stuck at 2% economic growth, even though the president promised 4% because all the money went to the investor class. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know, I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Natural CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NUleafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NULeafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NULeafnaturals.com. Code Tom. It's spelled T-H-O-M. NewLeafNaturals.com. Uh, Russ in Portland, Oregon. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Congressman Kana, I just uh, wanted to get your comment on something I heard last night on Lawrence O'Donnell. He had Sheldon Whitehouse, the senator from Rhode Island, on his show. Uh, he thinks there is a fair chance we can get enough Republicans to come across the line and actually remove this monster from office. He cautioned against rushing it. He cautioned. He said that setting arbitrary deadlines like Thanksgiving, not a good idea. And I just would like to hear 
what you had to say about this and and if you would be willing to convey Senator Whitehouse's concerns to uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, thank you. Well, Russ, thank you. I have a lot of respect for Senator Whitehouse. I do think it's a heavy lift to get 67 Republican votes in the Senate. I mean, remember, we have never had an American president removed after being impeached. Both Johnson and uh, and Clinton were impeached. They weren't removed. Nixon resigned. He wasn't removed. Uh, and there has been no indication so far of any senator uh, saying that they would be willing to have an impeachment inquiry. You have some senators like Sassy or Romney criticizing uh, the president's behavior, uh, but they've stopped well short of saying that this uh, would justify impeachment. So I don't want to have a situation where in the hopes of getting uh, 67 votes, we stall and we end up kicking this out to an election year uh, where the House Democrats become the face of the party as opposed to who our nominee is uh, and where we lose momentum for uh, decisive action. Uh, I do think we have to be careful in how it's crafted. I think we have to be deliberate, but I I, I think that can be done and we can have a vote uh, soon and don't have to keep pushing this out. Barbara in Yuba City, California, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Thank you. It's such an honor. Good morning, Congressman. Good morning, Barbara. Um, Thanks for calling. I wanted to know if you thought it would be effective for us to, like, everybody in the country try to get a hold of Mitch McConnell. Because, I mean, basically, he's part of the reason that all of your legislation that you guys have passed, and you're doing a great job, have been sitting there in kind of like the forbidden zone. Do you think it might help for all of us to get in contact in some way, especially over the impeachment issue, if it comes to that? Barbara, I share your frustration. I suppose it can't hurt, but Mitch McConnell has been the most obstructionist politician in Washington, more than even the president. I mean, all of our legislation on background checks, on climate change, on jobs, on campaign finance, all of it is stuck because McConnell refuses to get, get bring it for a vote. On gun violence, it's McConnell more than even the White House that refuses to bring a vote. Uh, I've been told that Mitch McConnell cares about one thing and one thing only. He views his job as packing the courts with conservative judges and justices. Uh, he hasn't really paid attention to public opinion. His polls are, at, are very low, but it can't hurt to, to continue to raise the issue with him. Congressman Rokana taking your calls for the hour. He's the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And Danny, speaking of California, in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Danny Sheehan, a brilliant attorney, wrote the articles of impeachment uh, for Richard Nixon. I think the Democrats need to hire him right now. He's a brilliant, brilliant attorney. He worked on Iran-Contra and the pipeline. Great suggestion. I mean, I, I will pass on your suggestion to the Judiciary Committee and hope that uh, they reach out to all the experts. Lauer, Maryland. Kevin, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Do you think we can get professional lawyers to question the witness? This is very serious. And when I watched yesterday, you know, I, I like Schiff. But stop embellishing what's in the report and just read the report. I'm just asking, we finally got, we think we got him in a corner. Can we get professional lawyers? They did it in Watergate. Can we do this now? We cannot play this. We just need to stick to the. Do you think that can happen? Kevin, I do. I, I, I think it makes sense. I think. Uh, 
the Judiciary Committee and the Intelligence Committee can hire uh, competent professionals uh, with legal backgrounds to ask questions. I mean, I think members of Congress uh, sometimes can give speechify too much. Uh, we aren't trained to conduct uh, criminal investigations or investigations. So having a professional counsel ask questions to establish a record, it, it strikes me as a good idea. Sharon in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna. The Republicans are kind of playing on the Democrats, and their excuse for supporting this president is that nothing's being done, any work on immigration or gun control, infrastructure, and so on. They're saying that the Democrats are holding up all this work in Congress because of this uh, inquiry and, and so forth. And before the inquiry, nothing was getting done anyway, because as the, one of the other callers mentioned, everything's sitting in the Senate and not being looked at or, it, or you know. So I, I'm really frustrated with their comments and with their excuses about supporting uh, this president. And saying that we're not getting in, that getting anything done. <laughs> so, just Joe, just well, you're you're problem. absolutely right. You know, just a week ago, Trump was tweeting at Speaker Pelosi saying how much he appreciates the progress House Democrats have made on prescription drugs. We have passed something on universal background checks. We passed campaign finance reform. We passed things on climate change. We passed things on increasing uh, people's wages. Uh, these things are stuck because the president refuses to sign them, because the Senate refuses to act. And the speaker is still willing to pass prescription drug legislation, still willing to pass infrastructure legislation. It's important to realize that when Nixon was impeached, when that whole process happened, at the same time, you had the Endangered Species Act passed, you had the War Powers Resolution passed. So you can get things done if the White House were willing. Tony in Fort Worth, Texas, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Congressman, I understand that you all have a recess coming up. Do you plan to take it, or do you plan to try and work through the recess? Tony, I have a video out where I called on the leadership to cancel the recess so that we could have our committee hearings, so that we could continue to do work on gun violence legislation, so we could continue to hold this president accountable. Uh, and we posted it on social media. I worked with colleagues to try to get that to happen. Uh, they haven't canceled recess. So at this point, I'm going to go back and work in the district because there's nothing I can do being the only person in Congress. Uh, you can't get any work done. But I, I think it was a mistake to not cancel the recess. Franklin, Tennessee. James, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Trump is a problem, but he is not the problem. He's a symptom of the problem. It's led up to the Democratic Party not supporting its base, not supporting working people to get them out to vote. They give them no incentive. Bernie Sanders is getting people out to vote, but the Democratic Party won't stand behind him. And this is going to be a problem. You run Joe Biden, he's beat. You run Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas is possibly beat. You run Bernie behind, out, he's going to win. Well, Jesse, you don't have to convince me. I'm the national co-chair for Senator Sanders, and I agree that he has a commitment, a lifetime commitment, fighting for working families. And when you see him out there, he's talking about those issues. How do we strengthen unions? How do we increase wages? How do we get good-paying jobs? How do we get people health care? How do we get them education? That has to be the central message of the Democratic Party. Well, another hour flies by, Congressman. Thanks so much for dropping by and taking everybody's calls. Tom, I enjoyed. You've got the best listeners. They always have great questions. I, I agree. I agree. And I, I love these national town halls. And I'm so glad you're willing to do them. Thank you. 
Con- Thank you. Congressman Ro Khanna, his website, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house dot gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, we just put up a new rant for kind of members of our club, I guess, you know, supporters of the Tom Hartman program. You can find the link and figure out how to get to it and all that kind of stuff over at TomHartman.com. And this one is about how we may be missing one of the most important parts of the whole picture when we talk about Brexit could cause a crash in Great Britain, which could cause damage to the European economy, which cause uh, the world economy to, to shudder, which could cause a recession or even a depression here in the United States. That conversation's being had out in the open. But the conversation stepping off that that's not being had is how such things like Great Depressions uh, have caused wars, how, how the Great Depression of the 1930s led to World War II, the 1856 crash led to the Civil War, the 1770s led to the American Revolution. We need to have that conversation. You can check it all out at TomHartman.com. A new report was issued yesterday by the country's leading election and security experts. This was a result of the hacker convention, the cybersecurity convention that they have every year. And they assembled more than 100 different voting machines from all the different voting machine manufacturers and brought them all there. And every single one of them was easily and quickly hacked and election totals were changed. So this should be telling us something. This, as you recall, Israel had an election you know, a week or so ago, and it took three days to learn what the result was. Why? Because everybody who voted voted on paper. And the same thing happens in Europe. They call the elections based on the exit polls, or they call them as they did in Israel, too close to call because you know it's an election poll and it may be within a half a percent off, and, and it literally was just going right down razor thin. But here we are. A few other things in the news that I think are really worth noting. NPR is reporting that the National Rifle Association, the NRA, was a foreign asset. This is a new report from Senator Ron Wyden. We're going to be talking with him on Monday on this program. In this new report, this is an 18-month probe by the Senate Finances Committee's staff. They found that the NRA, this is, I'm quoting from the NPR article, that the NRA underwrote political access for Russian nationals Maria Butina and Alexander Torshin more than previously known, even though the two had declared their ties to the Kremlin. So the NRA was explicitly being basically a front organization for Moscow. The NRA also threw, as I recall, $40 million into Trump's campaign or into support for Trump in that campaign. So, you know, is this going to be another thing that takes down the NRA? We'll see. Sam in Stockbridge, Georgia. Hey, Sam, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, how are you, man? It's been a crazy tough week. It has. I'm good. I hope you are too, Sam. What's on your mind? Um, a lot. One thing, first of all, is I want to talk about is uh, Greta Thunberg. I mean, yeah, I think she's a really great, inspiring person. And um, for me personally, I have Asperger's as well. Mm. And but what is really is really disturbing me is just the right wing people, the trolls, like the commentary from Fox News, the person Michael knows. Yeah, I'm was really disgusted. Yeah, and it's just it's just gross. And for me, as a person, also I even had to confront people from social media, and they still weren't buying it. And they were, 
and has just kept attacking her. Yeah, don't let the trolls get you down. We all know who they are and what they're all about. They, you know, this, they, they are despicable. Uh, whether they're attacking her for a position on climate change or they're attacking her because she's an Aspie, it's equally despicable. I mean, the Republican Party in general is just even yeah. Trump. Yeah. Well, and then on Fox, you know, one of these guys said, oh, she's mentally ill and all this guy. I mean, th this is what you expect from people who have nothing to offer us. They have nothing to offer the American people. They have, frankly, nothing to offer the world. They're there to serve the interests of very, very wealthy people or they're such dupes. The ones who are serving the interests of very wealthy people are the ones who work for the billionaire Mur Rupert Murdoch, right? And they're showing up on Fox, or they work for the billionaires who own the big networks that are running right-wing radio in every single city in America. But your average garden variety troll on social media is probably just some person with a, a room temperature IQ who's been sucked in, who's been suckered in, frankly, by these hustlers on right-wing media who are, as I said, working to advance the interests of the billionaire class in the fossil fuel industry. And so they're going after Greta Thunberg. By the way, uh, just FYI, Sam, and I'm guessing you'll appreciate this, this level of detail, the TH in German and in Swedish is pronounced like a hard T. So uh, thus my name in, in German is Thomas, and uh, her name is Thunberg. Thunberg. Sorry. Yeah, Thunberg. No, it's all good. I, most people in America don't know that because in English, TH is pronounced as a T, as a th, you know, a soft T. But in any case, I, you know, d don't let it get you down. These, these people are, are not worthy of your efforts. I'd encourage like, you not to engage them. And one more thing, I think in general, like, we need to raise awareness about disabil like, disability. We need to wear awareness to this because, like, I feel like a lot of people are just not really known to stigma because, like, yeah. there's a rise of, like, awareness. And I feel like, what she's doing is great, but also just stability in general. It's just. Yeah, I think we need to reframe Asperger's. And I've, I've thought about this for a long time. You know, I, I jumped into this in the 90s when when I reframed ADHD. And I think these are all in the same spectrum of stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, Einstein was almost certainly an Aspie. Thomas Edison was probably an Aspie. There's been a number of very successful people who have literally changed the world in positive ways, who almost certainly had Asperger's. And I think that makes them superheroes. I mean, Greta refers to it as her super strength, as her superpower, excuse me. And I think she's right. Sam, thank you for the call. And I wish you the very best. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.